0: This comes from Corey Brook. She writes in, Is it possible that some people just stop being able to lose weight at a certain age?
1: Uh, what I usually do with my patients is I go through sort of a checklist of things that could be going on. First, what is the quality of the food? And second, what is the quantity of the food?
0: Well, hello there, and welcome to The Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for giving the show a listen this week, or a view, or a download. Wherever it is in the world that you are, we appreciate the fact that you are here. And here on The Exam Room today, we are going to be tackling your questions as we open up the mailbag. You know, we get so many messages from you guys asking about things that it just seemed like a Q&A would be just what the doctor ordered. So good questions too, by the way, I'm telling you, the exam room listener, you guys, you are smarter than the average podcast listener. So today we're going to see if we can't get those IQs up by even another point or two, since I have a funny feeling that when Dr. Vanita Raman joins us in just a little bit, we're going to learn a whole heck of a lot about nutrition. So if you have been curious, here's kind of what is coming up. Here are some of the questions that we're tackling. If you've been curious about changing up your diet, should you do it? How should you do it as you get older? Well, we're going to cover that. If you've been wondering about how much fiber is lost in juicing compared to when you're making a smoothie... Well, we're going to talk about that as well. And if you've been wondering about high cholesterol on a plant-based diet, you bet there's a question in the mailbag about that as well. Same for gaining weight on a plant-based diet. Dr. Ramen, she's going to have some interesting thoughts about that. And does it get harder or even impossible to lose weight as you get older? What's what's the disconnect there? And if you have been looking for an alternative to the Beyond Burger, especially if you're a new vegan, well, look no further because we will be diving into that as well. So all of that stuff, a lot of great questions and some others that you guys wrote in with, all of them very interesting. And I must say that this is an eclectic group of questions. So we're going to cover a lot of ground today. And then once we put the mailbag away, once we go ahead and seal that up, You are going to hear from a young woman with a really, really powerful and cool story. Shivani Savasovam. She lives all the way over in Bahrain, And you may be wondering, well, how is the plant-based scene in Bahrain? Well, it is much stronger now since she's gotten involved. And for her, really, the mission is personal she adopted a plant-based diet after enduring unrelenting pain in her knees all throughout her teenage years. A severe knee injury, it had been holding her back. And for Shivani, it was kind of like living with the knees of someone you would think is 80 or 90 years old. You know, their joints had just been worn down by life. And she was hurting all the time. And here she was, though. Not even 20. So doctors told her that she would actually need a knee replacement surgery. But then, then my friend, she switched to a plant-based diet. And I will let her tell the rest of the story when she joins us in a little while. But I will give you this one spoiler. There is a happy ending. So, a big show indeed today. Let's not waste any more time. Let's get started right now as Dr. Venita Rahman answers your questions as we open up the doctor's mailbag. continuing here on the exam room podcast brought to you by the physicians committee with the weight loss champion chuck carroll it is mailbag time you guys had so many questions when i put this out on facebook i said hey we're doing the mailbag we're opening it up what are you guys curious about and you just sent question after question after question and we're going to get to as many of them as possible on the show today and to answer them here with me now is someone who I have come to admire quite a lot since she began upstairs at the Barnard Medical Center, Dr. Vanita Raman. Welcome back to the show.
1: Thanks, Chuck. Always great to be here.
0: It is always great to have you here. Your story, uh, by the by, really resonated with a lot of listeners when you were on last time and you were talking about... Immigrating here to the US, taking on the traditional, the mm-hmm. standard American diet, and how that caused you to gain weight as a teenager, and then your transition over to a plant based diet, and then losing it. It really hit home. You connected with a lot of people.
1: Well, I'm happy to hear that. You know, it, it's been quite a journey.
0: No doubt. As someone who's taken that journey, it it is quite a journey, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Um, So we have a bunch of questions uh, that we need to get to today. A lot of people curious about a lot of different things. We're going to bounce around. A lot of times on the show, we try to focus on one particular topic. But I like the mailbag segment because some of these questions, we can't expand into a full hours podcast. So it's great just to have this you 15, 20, whatever, however long this turns out to be, this time to go ahead and, Mm -hmm. and crank these out one by one. Sounds great. You ready? Yeah. All right. And this is one uh, right off the top that I think that a number of people are probably curious about um, because we hear so much about juicing. Drink juice. It's the healthiest thing in the world, right? Tricia writes in, I heard on a podcast once that juicing takes away the fiber in the fruit and veggies. Am I losing fiber in my breakfast smoothie?
1: Well, Let's, so, Tricia's mentioning two things there, juicing and making smoothies. Right. And let's break that down. Let's discuss the difference between eating a whole fruit versus juicing it versus making a smoothie with it. And this applies to vegetables, too, by the way. So, when we eat a whole fruit or vegetable, it's important to know they are about 90% water. And they have a lot of fiber. They have a lot of nutrients. So, when we eat the whole fruit, we get all those nutrients. Now, when we make choose, let's say I have an apple, I could eat the whole apple. Or I could make juice out of it. I could put it in a juice press. And what the juice press will do is it will release the water with the sugar that's in the apple, some nutrients, but a lot of things will get left behind, like fiber and anything that's attached to the fiber. Certain vitamins may get left behind. So if you can imagine, one apple would make very little juice, you know, maybe one-fifth of a cup of juice. And all that sugar that's in the apple is now concentrated in that little bit of volume so we're getting a high sugary beverage as opposed to the whole apple where it was more diluted out uh-huh. aha yeah.
0: that makes sense and then if you think about it with a juicer you you do get the the pulp that's left behind that you have to pull out and clean the tray and that can be a whole chore altogether. right Whereas exactly with the smoothie if you put everything in the blender together you still get all your fiber right
1: you do. So smoothies, we have to be a little careful also. So let's say I take that apple now and I want to make a smoothie and I put it in my blender with, you know, by itself, it won't be much volume, not even enough to blend. So people usually add other fruits or vegetables. They may add some plant-based milks. They may add some nut butters or seeds. So now they have this nice big smoothie. So the fruits and vegetables that went in there are all of the fiber is still in the smoothie which is good most of the nutrients are in there that's good but if we think about it the blender is doing some of the work that we would have done if we had eaten the food so if you line up everything that you would put in your smoothie and think of how long it would take you to eat that you know the apple or the spinach the banana the carrots the the nuts or seeds it would probably take maybe an hour to eat everything. But once the blender purees it, you know, we can drink that in a few minutes or 10 minutes. So the thing I caution people about smoothies is that it's easy to get a lot of calories in fairly quickly. Mm. So if someone is diabetic, or someone is trying to lose weight, then maybe instead of drinking the fruits and vegetables, let's eat them. It'll slow down the digestion it'll be more satisfying, and it'll help regulate
0: the weight and blood sugar better interesting point I think that a lot of people now are just kind of like taking a step back like, "Oh no, don't take away my smoothie from me. I love it so much every morning from breakfast it's so easy." But you're not necessarily advocating that. You're just saying be careful, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, use it as a special treat. It's a hot day. You want something cool and refreshing. Or if it's something that you want to have every day, then just be mindful of the portion. Maybe an 8-ounce smoothie or a 10-ounce smoothie. Sometimes it's easy to get into these, you know, 20-ounce smoothies. And it can just be a lot of calories. And the other thing is... um, Be careful about what you're putting into it. So avoid sort of the high-fat foods like the nuts and seeds, Mm -hmm. which can add a lot of calories and increase that caloric density.
0: Right. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and that is something definitely that uh, you need to be mindful of, especially if you're doing one of these chocolate smoothies. And we Mm -hmm. all know that nuts and chocolate, they just go together like peas and carrots, you know? (laughs) So uh, that's something that even, um, you know, I, I will be very, very cautious of. Um, you know, just making sure that you try to keep that fat content and that calorie content as low as possible with these things, but a lot of people also and, and I know that you know smoothies as a meal replacement is somewhat controversial um depending on who you ask um I, I, you know I, I personally this is just me talking, think that you could do a lot worse you know um I, I would take a smoothie over a meal replacement bar any day of the week i 'll yeah. tell you that much you know.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's all, it's all in the details. It's all in what's in that smoothie and what purpose it's serving. Right. So, But we want people to get their fruits and vegetables in. And if smoothies are helping them, that's okay, as long as they're mindful of the volume and the high-fat foods.
0: Keep that in mind. Moving on, next question. This comes from Corey Brook she writes in been whole food plant-based for a year and a half and still cannot seem to lose any weight mm. my cholesterol has dropped 50 points which is great but no matter what i do i cannot seem to lose weight i stopped using oil and cut out fatty foods like avocados any advice is it possible that some people just stop being able to lose weight at a certain age
1: mm. well cory uh first of all congratulations on dropping your cholesterol 50 points that's
0: That's huge. Amazing, yeah. Yeah.
1: That's better than statins can do sometimes. Ah. Uh, So the question about weight loss, it's, you know, what happens when you hit this weight loss plateau? Or maybe you just never lost the weight that you were hoping to. Uh, What I usually do with my patients um, is I go through sort of a checklist of things that could be going on. And there are two general categories I look at. First, what is the quality of the food? And second, what is the quantity of the food? So as far as quality, we want people to eat a low-fat, plant-based diet. And so it sounds like Corey's doing that, and she's cut out, um, or he, I'm assuming, um, cut out oils and avocados. But there are still other plant-based foods that are high in fat, like nuts or nut butters. Or seeds like chia seeds, flax seeds, pumpkin seeds. People will often put them in their soups or smoothies or casseroles, and mm-hmm. they can add calories. Um, coconut um, is a big one. Cocoa powder or chocolate could sneak in. It could be plant-based. So really limiting those high-fat foods. Um, one more I just thought of, olives. Ah. Yeah. So these are all these high-fat foods. We really want to limit the amount of that. Um, And a rule of thumb I've given to people over the years when they're trying to lose weight is limit these to one or two tablespoons a day. And I don't mean one or two tablespoons of each of them, (laughs) (laughs) but all together. So you decide if you're craving nut butter today, then maybe you don't have avocado or olives. Right. so that sort of gets to the quality of the food um, as far as fat. But then let's also talk about other things such as added sugars. So it's possible someone is low-fat, but maybe they're having a lot of um, baked goods that may have added sugars. Mm-hmm. Or um, soups that may have added sugar. So really just kind of mining that added sugar portion.
0: Are you talking about refined sugars or uh, like traditional sugarcane sugar? Or are you talking about like anything like stevia or agave, any kind of sweetener?
1: Yeah, so, you know, this comes up a lot. Um, is one type of sugar better than another like molasses or agave or maple syrup or brown sugar or honey? Um At the end of the day, they all have sucrose in it, which is basically table sugar. So it's added sugar. Mm. It's not that one is healthier. We just really want to minimize how much added sugar we're using. Uh, for two reasons. One, it adds caloric density, again. And two, it displaces healthier foods. So if someone, um, you know, for example, if I'm eating a sugary cookie, then I'm not really going to want that pear or apple that's right. sitting on my desk. Right. And that would fill me up more than the cookie would. For sure. Um, so that that's one thing, looking at the sugar, looking at the fat. Then I think it's also important to be mindful of our portions. So...
0: That we're goes not- back to what we were talking about with the smoothie almost, right?
1: Right. Same same concept. Um, we're not advocating for anyone to count calories or count carbs. That's onerous. It's not practical. It's no fun. Who wants to no. do that?
2: No.
1: Um, but just being mindful um, that portion sizes have increased, especially in restaurants. And we are programmed to eat whatever is in front of us. So, um, you know, if you go to a restaurant and you order an entree, if it's Big, consider sharing it with someone or pack half of it away. Um, or at home, using smaller plates, so salad size plates instead of dinner plates can automatically bring those portions down. Yep. And then I think one thing that I know I'm guilty of is um, eating with distractions, so watching TV, uh-huh. working on my laptop, um, checking on my phone. And when we do that, our portion sizes automatically go up. Because our brain, which is programmed to tell us that we're full, we should stop eating, can't do that. Yeah. It's focused on whatever else we're doing. Yeah. So eating without distraction can really help rein in those portion sizes and make us more mindful of what we're eating.
0: And just one more tip I wanted to add to your list, something that I used when I first started losing weight, uh, especially when I went out to eat, was to ask right away when I placed the order, bring me a to-go box straight away. And then I would just put half of the meal in the to-go box. And that you know cut the fat and calories in half right there for that meal and it, it worked out really well and plus we all know that the generally speaking the sizes of these dishes at restaurants they're just gargantuan yeah so that that worked really really well for me yeah. and it's you know out of sight out of mind at that point so you don't want to keep going anyway
1: i agree with you chuck i've done that before and the servers sometimes give me a funny look and and sometimes my companions give me a funny look, but I know it works. And like you said, out of sight, out of mind.
0: Yep. Yeah.
1: If it's on my plate, I'm going to keep nibbling away at it.
0: That's right. And server, just remember, if you do these things and you don't question it, you might get a better tip. I'm just <laughs> saying. I'm just saying. Uh, next question comes from Lola. This is a good one, uh, one that a number of people were curious about. She writes in, as we go into our 60s and 70s, how should, diet, how should we change our diet to accommodate our aging bodies?
1: Yeah. So, you know, people are living longer, and we don't want people to just live longer. We want them to live more productive, healthy lives. And one thing we know is that eating a low-fat, plant-based diet can help in so many ways. So reduce the risk of cardiovascular disease, reduce the risk of cognitive decline, reduce the risk of diabetes. So continuing along that path is important. Um, I don't know if people have to make anything specific, uh, any specific changes to their diet as they age, uh, if they're following a plant-based diet because the American Dietetic Association has said that plant-based diets are um, healthy at all stages of life, including Mm. infancy, lactation, and nursing, um, or or pregnancy. But one thing I do want to remind all our listeners is, um, regardless of their age, to take a B12 supplement as they follow a plant-based diet. Sure. Really important not to skip that. And I think for older adults... Remembering to not just eat well, but also staying socially engaged and exercising is important. We naturally lose muscle mass and exercising can help preserve that. And eating plant-based can minimize the inflammation that comes with exercise or that comes with aging and make it easier to exercise.
0: And something else I, I wanted to throw in there is that I've noticed this with people in my own family who will talk to me and, and you know, want to know, well, what should I be eating? And then I'll give them suggestions. And then, you know, inevitably the pushback that I receive is, well, I'm too old to be changing my diet. Mm. I'm set in my ways. You know, my opinion personally is you're never too old to try to clean things up. Yeah. It, you're, you're going to reap some sort of benefits. Why would you even ask that question then if you weren't curious? Don't dig your heels in the sand. Be open to change. Be open to change. And I think that that then also, if it gets harder for us to change as we get older, makes it all the more important that we set up healthier eating habits earlier in life. Yeah, absolutely. Next question comes from Natasha. Sticking with the age theme, uh, results in those over the age of 60 for going vegan, talking about blood pressure and weight loss and cholesterol. Does age have an effect on the rate of change in those things?
1: Well,. We know that as we get older, the risks for certain diseases increases. So the risk of cardiovascular disease increases. The risk for dementia increases. Um, But as far as whether someone who already has high blood pressure or diabetes or if I'm understanding the question, um, if they already have diabetes or high blood pressure or high cholesterol, will they be less likely to improve with changing their diet as they get older. Or
0: improve more slowly.
1: Yeah. it's. I don't know if we know that. Um, you know, we see plenty of people in our clinic and research studies who improve regardless of their age. And um, one thing that we do have is research data from Dr. Ornish's study, which was done in patients with cardiovascular disease. and And they were able to reverse their heart disease regardless of their age or Mm. severity of disease. And the results were dependent mostly on how compliant they were and not age or disease-related. So I think that's good news. And it's not our age that limits us. It's really how much we can follow the plan and stick with it.
0: And this was... Anecdotal. Um, I heard this from a friend of mine. Uh, His mother in law, 94 years young, uh, was able to reverse her diabetes. 94.
1: That's amazing. Yeah. Kudos to her. Isn't
0: that crazy? Yeah. I mean, she moved in. uh, He got her on this uh, whole food, plant based diet, man. And it was just like, he's like, it's a miracle. (laughs) Uh, Here's a question from Mel. On Facebook, been on a low-oil, low-sugar, whole-food, plant-based diet for six months to reverse heart disease. Also was on low-dose statins. After months one and two, the lipid profile looked great with total and LDL plummeting. Started to wean off the statins, but by month six, without statins, the cholesterol, which at that point was a total of 194, and triglycerides, which were 210, those numbers were worse than at the start of the diet says they've been very strict. So what in the world is going on? Yeah, so
1: you know a couple of things come to mind. Um, so we have the numbers that um, our listener had after stopping the statin, but we don't know what the baseline numbers were. Those numbers that were taken before were while they were on a statin. Right. So. We, we're not really comparing apples to apples here. So we don't know what that baseline was. And it could be that without a statin, that baseline would have been much higher. But regardless, I think what I hear here is, I'm following a low fat plant based diet, yet my cholesterol hasn't normalized without a statin, what should I be doing? Um, a couple of things. Uh, again, you know, getting back to some of the things I talked about earlier in terms of being mindful of high-fat foods, people can avoid oil, sugar, and salt, but they may still be getting fat in those other high-fat foods, mm-hmm. such as nuts and avocados, um, olives. So we really want to look at that carefully. And um And then making sure they're eating foods that have a low glycemic index, not a high glycemic index, um, such as rye bread instead of white bread, Um, sweet potatoes instead of white potatoes can help. I would recommend for this person, if they can um, perhaps meet with a plant-based dietitian and really go through their food journal and see where they could make improvements. And the other thought I had listening to this is, if this person already has a history of uh, cardiovascular disease, um, I hope they will discuss with their physician before stopping the statin or talk to them about stopping it. Sometimes we like those patients to stay on them, even if their cholesterol is low um, for other benefits. So just run that by your healthcare provider.
0: Good advice. Next question comes from Elizabeth. Uh, This is an interesting one. What red flags do you look for when you have successfully lost weight on a strict whole food, plant-based, no-oil diet, and then years later, the weight starts to come back?
1: Yeah. Mm. So I think we're seeing a a lot of similarities. It's a pattern. Yeah. (laughs) So this uh, question about what do you do if you're following a no-oil, plant-based diet and you can't lose the weight or you plateau or you start regaining it – I think it's getting back to the same things. Look out for other high fat foods. Look out for foods with added sugar. And then, um, you know, consider uh, looking at your portion sizes, as we talked about. And also, let's not forget exercise. Okay. Um, um, it's not necessary to exercise to lose weight, but exercise has a lot of benefits, and we encourage everybody to exercise.
0: As a reminder, exercise could be as simple as putting on a pair of sneakers and going for a walk. My favorite thing to do. Amen to that. Uh, Marie is getting a little bit more scientific with us on the weight loss angle. When one adopts a whole food plant-based diet, they often lose weight and also see an improvement in health. What degree is the improvement of the various physical ailments due to just the weight loss versus using the whole food plant-based diet way of eating?
1: well that's a great question you know um, it's it's something that comes up all the time, and we have some research uh, to help answer that so the question is is it just the weight loss that helps or is it the plant based diet that helps or is it a combination of both my my sense is it's a combination of both for sure uh, we need to maintain a healthy weight because extra weight um, you know, has uh, dire consequences for our bodies. But we also want to lose it the correct way. So for example, we know that people who may go on a low carb or ketogenic diet will lose weight quickly. But their cholesterols go up, Mm -hmm. their risk of inflammation and heart disease goes up, their mortality rates go up. So it's important To lose weight the right way. And if someone is doing a low-fat plant-based diet, they're sort of getting the best of both. And there is probably a lot of synergy there. um, But it's really hard to tease out if it's one or the other. They kind of go hand in hand, fortunately. Right. So, um, you know, I would encourage our listeners to stay on that path.
0: For sure. Yeah, and, and speaking from experience as well, um, I can tell you that I lost the majority of my weight before I went plant-based and thought that my health was good after adopting that plant-based diet. Like, it really kicked into overdrive. So I would say, yeah, it's definitely a combination of the two, but do not underestimate the power of cleaning up what's on your plate. Yeah. Right? That that makes a huge, huge, huge difference for me personally. Uh, interesting one here from Judy. She writes in, I'm looking for help on how to uh, decrease Triglycerides, been eating a whole food plant-based diet for eight years, no refined foods or too much fruit. Uh, That's actually from Jeanette. Judy had a similar question, uh, wondering why triglycerides could possibly be high on such a diet. So what do you think?
1: Well, you know, this is something we see commonly in the clinic, elevated triglycerides. So first, let's define what that means. Everyone has probably had their lipid panel or cholesterol levels checked. And there are usually several numbers that show up. And one of them is the triglyceride. And we want that level to be under 150, ideally. And um, it's common for it to be between 150, 300, or even 150 and 500. And there could be many reasons. Um, So first, there can be several medical conditions. Um, Uncontrolled diabetes, type 2 diabetes can cause that, hypothyroidism. Um, Then the other is we know... Excess body weight can contribute, so obesity.
0: For
1: sure. Um, And then lastly, if someone feels that they're at a healthy weight, um, they don't have diabetes or thyroid disease, what else could it be? Well, sometimes it can be what they're eating, even within a plant-based diet. uh, We encourage people to eat foods that are low in the glycemic index and avoid high glycemic index foods. And um, glycemic index is just a a value that tells us how quickly our blood sugar will rise after eating something. Right. Uh, So things like white bread, um, you know, will raise it quickly, whereas rye bread will be slower. White potato will raise it more quickly, sweet potato slower. So really, people can look online at different glycemic indices and then try to pick ones that are lower and see if they can find benefit that way. And again, we've said it before, really sticking to that low fat is very important and fat can really sneak in in a lot of different ways.
0: It really gets, but fat and sugar, they just have a way of finding their way <laughs> into everything. Um, I, I think that that would be kind of a fun topic also for a future show is comparing the white potato versus the sweet potato and, and the nutrient profile there. Like why is it that the white potato is higher on the glycemic index versus the sweet potato? Like because technically that white potato is still a whole food. So what's going on there? Right. That could be a fun topic to get nerdy, uh, nerd out about. <laughs> (laughs) Uh, Real quick here, we got time for two more. Uh, This comes from uh, your brethren in the medical profession. Her name is Amy. She writes in, as a family nurse practitioner, I would love to hear from experts about a plant-based, about a practice based on lifestyle medicine and intervention with the plant-based diet. How do you bring that concept into an already existing practice and how would you even begin to do that? She says, I'm losing faith in the traditional model of family practice and feel that I should change. I don't know where to go or who to work with in my area. I want to help my patients learn what I know about how nutrition and lifestyle changes can improve and even reverse their chronic illness. Some guidance here would be amazing. So what guidance do you have for Amy?
1: Well, Amy, you know, I think a lot of healthcare providers feel the way you do, especially in primary care where we see so much chronic disease and we start to feel like we're not really reversing things. Fortunately, there are a lot of great resources. So, for example, we here... At the Physicians Committee, have a conference every year for healthcare providers. It's our international conference on nutrition and medicine, and our next one will be in August, August sixth through eighth.
0: You've got that memorized. I I'm do. Impressed.
1: I I've been going to these conferences for over six years now, um, and it's wonderful way to meet like minded professionals. When you see a thousand people in the conference hall. Uh, It's amazing to hear how they've implemented lifestyle and nutrition into their practice and the results they're getting. So I would strongly recommend that. Um, If you can't wait until then, we also have a CME dinner program coming up at...
0: Maggiano's?
1: Yes, at Maggiano's. Thank you. It's in March, and you can find that on our website where we will talk about nutrition and how we're using it in our practice. So something to get you started.
0: All right, that's Maggiano's here in the Washington, D.C. area. If you're not local, uh, ICNM is definitely worth flying in for. Definitely. Uh, it's amazing. Um, and I know that we also have a lot of nutrition CME classes that are available online mm-hmm. as well. So um, lots lots of great resources mm-hmm. there and uh, it's something that we talk a lot about here so uh, we are happy to help in any way that we possibly can yeah uh, let's end with this one and this one is man this is straight up pop culture you can't turn on the TV without hearing about these things I love this Allison thank you so much for this question found out recently that impossible burgers have a ton of sodium in them among other things that aren't quite healthy but it's plant-based can you give me some plant-based alternatives that are slightly healthier
1: oh oh I am so glad you asked that <laughs> because every restaurant is jumping on this impossible burger or beyond burger um, and people are eating them you know they're uh, while they are plant-based they're not the healthiest plant-based option um, and for one of the reasons being high in sodium the other is they're very high in fat so yep. over 50% of the calories are from fat. Mm. And that's before anything else is added to them, you know, which people will invariably add. So there are many brands of veggie burgers out there. What I would really encourage our listeners to do is to start looking at the food labels and see how many calories there are, how many are from fat. Um, In case the label doesn't show, uh, each gram of fat has nine calories, so then they can do the math. Try to get one that has 15% or less of the calories from fat. And then look at the sodium. We want the sodium to caloric ratio to be uh, one to one or less. It shouldn't have more sodium than calories, in other words. Now, um, you can buy burgers frozen. Uh, one of my favorite brands is the Engine 2 product. Yeah, Rip Esselstyn. Yeah, sold only at Whole Foods. And my kids love these. Um, we just fly through them. And I feel comfortable serving them because they're low in fat, they're whole grain, and they're low in sodium. Yep. So, And they can easily stick them in the microwave. So that's one. But... We can just as easily make our own veggie burgers, you know, boil a sweet potato and get a can of black beans and mush them together with some seasonings and you can throw them on the skillet. And there you have a low-fat burger and... You can do this with chickpeas or cauliflower or peas, carrots. You can – whatever you got in your fridge, throw it in there.
0: Oh, pace yourself. You might be scaring her. I, I don't know if <laughs> Allison's new to the whole plant-based thing if she's looking at Impossible Burgers. So, you know, let's – baby steps. Let's start with the Engine 2 and see where things go. They
1: can't go wrong with that one.
0: Um, I. But, yeah, there are so many great – burger recipes out there. I know that we also have quite a few in our database as well. PCRM.org slash recipes uh, or you can pick up our 21-day Kickstart app and that is absolutely free in Google Play and uh, with the apps. Help me out here. The Apple Store, uh, all over, you know, whatever device you have, you can get this absolutely free, um, just a, a wealth of information in there. And I know that the segments that uh, Lee Crosby and I will do on uh, the local TV stations here in in town um, often feature plant-based burgers, mm-hmm. and there are just some out of this world recipes that you know, even the most hardcore omnivore will just dive into these things and think that they are the greatest things since sliced bread. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. They're wonderful They're so filling, and you can just customize them to however you want.
0: There is nothing quite like a plant-based burger and sweet potato fries, just you know, baked oh. in the oven.
1: Oh, that sounds great. Yeah,
0: or an air fryer, like you know, you yeah. cut like all the flavor. None of the fat. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. This segment, Dr. Raman, has been a beautiful, beautiful thing. So thank you so very much for your time. I think that we tackled 10... Enlightening questions, and uh, inevitably, invariably, we will definitely have you back on again if you want to join us to, oh, answer s- to answer some more. All right. On that note, if you ever have a question that you'd like answered here on the show, you can hit us up on Twitter at Chuck Carroll WLC or at PCRM. Just make sure that you use the hashtag Exam Room Podcast. You can also find me on Facebook. Just search me out there and shoot me a message, and we will get your question answered on the air if we possibly can. Doctor Ramen. Thank you again so very much for your time. Thanks, Chuck. And and
1: thank you to the listeners for these wonderful questions, because I'm sure a lot of people are wondering the same thing.
0: They're awesome, aren't they? Yeah. These really were good questions. I submitted them to a colleague just to kind of sift through to, you know, make sure that we, we were on point for this episode. They were like, your listeners ask really good questions. Well, they're well educated. I know. Shout out to my exam room faithful. You guys are amazing. Thank you. <laughs> The doctor's mailbag is probably going to become a regular segment so keep those questions coming you can find me on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram at Chuck Carroll WLC that's Carroll with two R's and two L's the WLC standing for weight loss champion find me on there and send me your questions and we will see if we can't get you an answer on the show and a big thank you by the way to everyone who has already submitted questions cannot thank you enough super 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 appreciated and And I really can't wait to answer some more because these are some tremendous questions. And I always feel like every week on this show that I learn a lot. And I hope that you guys feel the same way, but I feel like every week on the show, I learn a lot. And then when we ask and we cover so much ground in one segment, it's like information overload. So I joked at the top of the show about raising the IQ a little bit. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, that is exactly what's happening there. So send us your questions on Twitter, on Instagram, or Facebook. doesn't really matter how you reach us. Just bottom line, send us your questions, and we will get them answered in the next Doctor's Mailbag. Next up, it is time for a little bit of inspiration as we hear the story of Shivani Savasovam. She's a young woman whose joints just ached. And Shivani was staring down the barrel of having knee replacement surgery. And then she started to take a look at the foods that she was eating. Were they inflammatory? Was her diet causing her so much of this pain? Turns out it it looks like that answer is yes, because she finally found some relief and no longer did she feel like she had the needs of somebody who was 80 or 90 years old and now shivani is dominating the plant-based scene over in bahrain and she's helping others get healthy too bringing to light the connection between our health and the foods that we eat As we continue here on the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Joining me now via Skype is a woman with an absolutely incredible story. She is literally halfway around the world, but I do believe that the story that you're about to hear is going to touch you no matter what part of the globe you're hearing this on. And with that, we welcome to the show Shivani Sadasabam. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. (laughs)
3: Thank you so much for having me. It's a great pleasure.
0: You know, when my friend Austin first told me about you and what it was that you were trying to put together, I was really kind of blown away because I did not even realize that there was a budding plant-based scene over in Bahrain where you are. How is the culture over there when it comes to vegan diets?
3: Well, we've definitely seen a very, very monumental shift i would say over the past few years in the plant-based scene as i call it because when i went vegan over two and a half years ago it's pretty much over that now um we had very very few alternatives in terms of like the milk and the cheese and the butter and things like that they were kind of like you had to go to the right places to even find them but now the supermarkets are overloaded with them they've got different brands of cheese there's a whole vegan section for milks there's a dedicated section for vegan cheese tofu seitan and all of these things now it's crazy to see that and you know and a lot of that was happening this year starting this year where you know they have dedicated vegan sections and things like that and then even in restaurants we started seeing that people started adding a lot more vegan options and even labeling them as vegans so they kind of had the awareness that people were looking for vegan options at restaurants. And, yeah, it's, it's been great for the local businesses here to also learn about, you know, this new trend and also get informed and educated about that. And what we are doing as a campaign uh, pushes pushes that forward, I would say.
0: It's really remarkable, and we're going to talk more about the the culture over there and the diets and stuff in just a little bit, but I think it's really important for people also to hear about what brought you to the diet that you're eating today, because growing up, things for you were much, much different.
3: Oh, absolutely. So even though I live in the Middle East, um, and I have lived here for a long time, um my family is from India, so we were generally eating a vegetarian diet at home either way. But because we live here now, what my my usual dinner was shawarmas and grilled chicken and things like that. I never had beef my whole life, so that was not something that I was consuming. So uh, even though I was eating mostly vegetarian, um, maybe eggs and things like that for breakfast and then chicken for dinner, which is considered healthy, um, from my point of view back then, I was, you know, I thought I was eating a healthy diet. I wasn't eating much fast food. I wasn't eating a lot of sugary desserts and soft drinks. I wasn't doing any of that. But I was also very sick.
2: Mm. And
3: I couldn't really explain that. And, you know, in terms of diet, I wasn't smoking or drinking. So I didn't have any bad habits. So I couldn't explain the reason that I was so sick. So when I was like 11, I twisted my knee basically and I dislocated my knee and it took me forever to heal from it. I basically didn't heal from it on magically. It took me 10 years and going vegan to fix it, you know? Wow. Yeah, um I just I I was scheduled for a knee replacement surgery just when I tu- when I was going to turn 21 and I was 20 at that time. And I was having dinner with my friend and, you know, she was talking about veganism. And then I watched a documentary and I just went vegan overnight for the sake of animals and the environment. Because that's a documentary that I watched, right? The Earthlings. And I did not even consider the health part, right? So it was just about the animals. And I was like, there's no way I want to be keep being part of this. So that's it for me. I went vegan overnight. And then I didn't even... Think of the health aspect of it. Until one month later, I realized that my knees are completely normal now, and this Whoa. is this is so
0: weird. <laughs> well, well, it hold, was on, so hold on, hold on. I, yeah. I, I I hear you. Hold on. We're we're gonna talk about that. But <laughs> I, I just want to go back to the fact that you were twenty one and scheduled yeah. to have a knee replacement surgery. That oh, yeah. is incredible. You know, you you hear about knee replacements. You think about, you know, professional athletes after they've retired in their 40s and 50s Mm. and and just, you know, regular people in their 70s and 80s getting knee replacement surgeries from wear and tear. But you're 21 staring down the barrel of this. What was it like for you between the time when you were 11 and you first twisted that knee and you did that damage and then all Mm -hmm. the way up to 21 when you were scheduled to have this procedure? you know, we're so active. Most of us are as teenagers and growing up and things. Were were you limited at all?
3: I would say I was limited. Well, I was living a normal life. But what I would say is I did not have full functionality of my knees. Like I didn't have full range of motion and my knees hurt all the time, all of the time. Mm. And both knees, not just one of not just the one that I dislocated. At some point, they both ended up having a lot of damage. And um, so I did not have full range of motion. It hurt when I was sleeping, standing, walking, running, whatever it is. I was able to do those things, but at a cost. So it hurts quite a lot all of the time. And I kept going to doctors and uh, specialists that would just say, yeah, the, this is chronic knee pain. You know, you need to drink more water. You need to drink more milk. Um, you know, very, I would say, absurd um, things to say now that I'm realizing. And none of them said, look at your diet. They're just like, either go for surgery, do physiotherapy. I mean, I tried those things. It did not work. So that's why it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And because I'm I'm sporty. I'm athletic. I go to the gym. All of these were stopping me, and I wouldn't stop because it hurts. I would just keep going, and I think that was one of the reasons that I just kept getting worse and worse. And then going vegan—just just one month of going vegan, not even plant-based—and then the, the the pain was just gone. And it, this was shocking. This was shocking to me because I had I I was at the point where I was totally, you know. Um, okay with the idea of living with pain for the rest of my life mm. obviously it's not easy even if I'd gotten surgery like it takes years to heal from the surgery and it's not always guaranteed that your body's gonna accept it right you know so I would I'd had to live with the idea that I will live in pain and then there was this magical cure that was just remove <laughs> animal products from your diet. I mean, why is no one talking about this, right? Ta-da.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, did the cartilage erode? Was there some ligament damage? What was actually going on in there?
3: Well, they said I had torn some ligaments, so I did have a cast put on, and I took it off after I think two months. And yeah, but I didn't, because I was 11, you know, I didn't yeah. give it time to heal. I was, I just started running again and things like that. So I didn't give it time to fully heal. And so that just took time and it just got worse over time. That's gotcha. the only way I can explain it. But I didn't really, I got the MRS scan and all of those things back then, but don't have much memory of those things <laughs> now and I never have to do one now. So, Hey,
0: no, that's great. Um, did any doctor try to give you pain medication or anything like that to kind of help you out there?
3: Well, they did. The thing is, at some point I'd given up on it, um, on asking them about my knees because I just knew they would say the same thing over and over again. But I was still making frequent visits to the doctor, not just for my joints. And when I say knees, by the way, all my joints were messed up, right? I just had constant joint pain all over the place. But I also had breathing issues. You know, I was very young, but like if I'd go up the stairs, I felt like I was old and obese. (laughs) You know, I was running out of breath real fast. And uh, I used to have migraines quite a lot, headaches and migraines. And yeah, I was just a sick kid and I couldn't explain it. And then going vegan, all of it, just like a magic cure. (laughs) I know it's not, but it's just like such a simple thing that can go such a long way.
0: Wow! Yeah, I I didn't realize that you had so much going on. I know that you had mentioned to me previously that you did have some other joint pain, but I didn't know about the migraines too. I, that's that's rough.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. I had a, a migraine a month. You know, um, I I suffered through a lot. I would say, like, it, yeah. I, the thing is, I wanted to be healthy. Like, I loved going to the gym. I wanted to stay fit and stay healthy, and I was eating well. All of those things, but I just had things going on all over me. It's like something you couldn't control at some point, you know?
0: Was it deflating? Like, how did it affect your quality of life?
3: See, I still had a normal life as far as I can tell. But it's just, it was just pain in the background, you know? Mm -hmm. The background stuff that I, I wouldn't even say, oh, my knee hurts. You know, unless it was really hurting because I did something, you know, but my knee always hurt. So it was like a constant in my life at that point. Like I just gotten used to it that living without pain would be weird. And that's right. when, like, after I healed, after going vegan. The fact that I couldn't feel pain anymore was a bad thing for me. I was like, wait, are my nerves not working? (laughs) And then I had to like slap my legs and my feet just to make sure my nerves were working. And then they were, so I was like, oh crap. Did I just heal? Did my knees just magically heal? This is crazy.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about this. So you watch this Earthlings documentary and Mm -hmm. you do it for the animals. But then yeah. you said it. It only took you a, a week or so to kind of see a, a physical or feel, I should say, a physical difference. A too a month. That's still pretty rapid.
3: It is very rapid for going through going through this for years and then just healing in like a month. It was insane to me. That's that's when I started questioning a lot more about why is no one talking about this? Why do we keep eating so much meat all of the time, three times a day? imagine the amount of damage that we're doing to our health over years of this kind of you know diet and teaching that this is actually good for you Mm -hmm. it's like wow what are we doing here and then I started doing more research and then I found out that these industries are massive and then they have their own roles and you know how the government makes their legislation what's allowed to you know what's allowed on the plate what's being fed in schools and it's, they, they found their way to integrate themselves into every part of society to make sure that their markets are just booming all the time. You yeah. know, they're safekeeping their doors. They're very good at it, too.
0: School lunches here in the States growing up, there was always you know, either a hamburger or a pizza with French fries, which I suppose are plant-based but not the healthiest <laughs> food still, uh, but then always mm-hmm. a, uh, a carton of milk. To go with it, whether it be chocolate milk or white milk or whatever the case may be. How were the school lunches over there when you were growing up?
3: Well, I did not go to public school. I went to a private school, so we just ate whatever we had. Right on. We wanted. (laughs) So we got things at a tuck shop, and you know, but then now looking, now thinking back, I'm seeing that, wait, we didn't have many vegan options, right? So I was either eating chicken biryani or like a hot dog or something like that. And there there weren't many vegan options. No. So that's one of the things that I want to address next month in our Vegan January campaign, like going into schools and actually teaching them that, hey, we need to eat more vegan food.
0: Even Mm -hmm. if
3: you don't go fully vegan, just incorporate more plant-based foods in your daily routines. And then part of that is like having those foods available in the canteens or the tuck shops and things like that for the kids to choose
0: you know it's it's really remarkable to me getting an opportunity to speak with so many doctors on this show is just hearing the benefits of incorporating more fruits and more vegetables into the diet even if the person doesn't initially go all the way vegan the benefits that they've reaped just by increasing the amount of produce that they consume are just it's incredible to me it really is 100%
3: Um, so whenever people ask me like I don't know if I can go vegan what can I do and then I just say cut out one thing and start by cutting off dairy just cutting off dairy can do such big things for you personally and people have told me this that's why I started telling people this and I obviously have researched why dairy is so bad for you and, yeah, as as far as I can see, some people, some of my friends, they try going plant-based for a month and they say they sleep better, they feel better, they have loads of energy now, you know, and it's just like, you should start doing this more. Everyone just should start doing this more or at least experience it for once so they know that this is possible. They can feel good all the time if they choose to, you know, put their diet that way.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a 21-day a kickstart uh, that we call it here to to get you going mm-hmm. on a plant-based diet. We basically lay out your menu for the first three weeks of, of transitioning, and I don't know of a single person who has been through that kickstart that did not experience some form of benefit and I mean we're not talking like little benefits typically we're talking about major changes in their life whether it's their cholesterol dropping or they don't walk around in pain anymore they don't have migraines anymore suddenly this nausea that's been so chronic has just evaporated it's really remarkable just to see how people change so rapidly like you were talking about and I know now that when you hear about other stories people who have had these transformations even if they're not identical to the one that you went through you can identify with them and you know that feeling of coming out on the other side
3: oh yeah like the i've met so many people and i'm meeting even more vegans in bahrain recently and that's that's great to see so many people going vegan um And they tell me amazing stories. So I asked this question on my Instagram saying, what has going plant-based done for you or what has it healed? And I get all kinds of answers. IBS, acne, stomach issues, um, hormonal imbalances, um, migraines and joint pain. They were breathing better and sleep and all of those things. Things that we take for granted can be someone else's tragedy you know right. and all of those things people do address and like they say going vegan going plant based does help in a huge way and some of them they're like i really wish i'd done it earlier and same goes for me i really <laughs> wish i'd done this earlier and i wish i'd learned about it earlier because that would have saved me a lot of pain honestly speaking and i met someone that had um prostate cancer at the age of 28 and he didn't get any treatment for it he just went fully raw vegan for a few months, and he he was completely. Um, I think, yeah, he was completely cured. No more prostate cancer. I think he caught it at an early stage, but yeah, he had no chemo, nothing like that. He just cured it with diet. I mean, obviously, that's a crazy example, but then that was a real person that I've seen with my own eyes. You know, right, it's not right. some random thing that was written on the internet. Right. So see these changes, it's it's crazy that we're not all advocating this from the medical systems more.
0: Yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. And I, I hope that, that that gentleman who was able to reverse his prostate cancer uh, was also working with a doctor throughout that time. One, I think that it's important that you do just, you know, so you have your bases covered and you're up yeah. to date on what's happening with your disease. But two, if there is an example to be made such as that, I think for a doctor to witness that with their own eyes is so powerful. And then they are like, well, what's going on with this whole plant-based diet thing? Let me do some more research. Because one of the things that we often talk about on the show is just how little education physicians actually get on nutrition. It's it's really just mind-blowing to me that there is nay a credit hour spent on nutrition in medical school.
3: Oh, yeah. I actually went to a local um, university here, uh, medical university here, and I asked them, like, they were third-year students, and I asked them, how much do you actually learn about nutrition? Because I think on the boards, they were talking about diabetes and how you cut your stomach in half. But I was like, okay, do you guys learn much about nutrition? And they're like, yeah, we do, like, three modules or something and that's the whole five years, whole mm. five, six years. I'm like, that's insane. Like, instead of learning how to cut up people's stomachs to cure diabetes, I think maybe learning how a plant-based diet can help them reverse it would be a more, would be a better strategy in my opinion. And I think it, it would go to say that you would be seen as a better doctor for doing that because you're not just, you know, stopping the progression of the disease, you're reversing it and help, help them, helping them get back to a, normal life isn't sure. that what you want as a doctor but then they don't know that these things have like are available out there that yeah, because we're so we get so held up and thinking a pill can cure diabetes a pill can you just can cure everything we that's the thing about convenience we expect something small to do to go away for and something unnatural usually and that's just at the detriment of all of our health and society in general because by being so sick, what we're doing is we're taking so many days off work. Um, the productivity of the economy is low. So it's not just a personal health thing. This is at a much larger scale. Right. The impacts of just eating well, its it goes such a long way. And so if governments really knew the impact of this on the economy, I think they would start paying attention because the amount of money that's being fed into the health system that doesn't need to be there if we all just... Ate a little better. That's pretty massive.
0: Yeah, it's, it's huge. Uh, I believe that we've done studies here on the productivity in the workplace for uh, people on a plant-based diet uh, or generally healthier people. And it really is. It's through the roof. So it is to the company's benefit. And that's one of the things that we try to do is work with companies through what we call our Food for Life program, where we actually have trained instructors go in and kind of teach up uh, their employees during maybe their lunch hour or something like that, have a lunch and learn and show them the benefits of a plant-based diet and see if we can get them on board and and you know reverse their diabetes you know get rid of the migraines so many things like you and i have been discussing this entire time but speaking of time we're almost out of it but i i just i also want to let people know that you are such a leader you are a rising star in the Mm plant-based community especially over in Bahrain. Where it, it is such an emerging community, the plant-based community over there. Like you have really taken the reins, and you are running with this. This it's really been remarkable to get to know you and seeing everything that you're doing.
3: Absolutely, thank you so much. The very kind words, but yeah, I just wanted to say that um, I started my campaign least last year, and so I was inspired by the Veganuary campaign happening in the UK. I wanted to start educating people more in the Middle East, especially in Bahrain, about what a plant-based diet is. And so I embarked on this journey that I that has taken me to crazy places, to be honest. So uh, every January, well, I started this year and um, going on to the next one next year to encourage people to try vegan in January. And then hopefully they'll stick with it <laughs> once they see how magical it is. Um so that's what I've been doing. Hopefully we'll have a veg fest early next year. It's going to be one of the first in the Middle East, I believe. Um, yeah, we've got some big plans. Hope to get have some big names involved. And yeah, I hope to reach as many people as possible, get them, you know, on a better lifestyle. So it's just about getting and educating and making more educated choice when it comes to food.
0: And I think that where we are today, if we flash forward 1 year, Um, Things are going to be so much bigger and better and brighter uh, here where you are everywhere. But for you in particular, like I'm just I'm so optimistic about what your future holds because you are still so young. You weren't 21, but just a few years ago, you're still in your early 20s, like you have a whole lot of life ahead of you. And you're just (laughs) getting going in this journey. So, you know, in 10, 20, 30 years, I mean, do you know what kind of good you can actually do should you continue down this path? Oh, yeah, I know. Loaded question. Intimidating. Yes. (laughs) Not intimidating. Inspiring. Inspiring. Inspiring.
3: Oh, absolutely. Yes, I'm 23 (laughs) and I always thought that people would never pay attention to to someone like me just because I'm young, air quotes. (laughs) But surprisingly, they have, you know, once you once you start making a lot of noise, people like, what is this about? And then it's just about piquing their interest. And once you tell them some weird, crazy stuff, they have to go out there and research it. They're like, how can this be true? And so it's been really fun and really amazing to learn all the things I have, meet all the people that I have and, you know, experience everything that I've experienced by going on this plant-based journey and then starting my campaign I'm very excited to see what the future holds and obviously I, you know, have big plans and hopefully I'll come to the U.S. sometime, you know, hang out with you guys and the doctors and meet all you amazing people, you know.
0: Nothing would make me happier. You are welcome to come sit in on the show over here anytime you'd like. Come on over for a big conference uh, in the summer, ICNM. I mean, we, it, that's a virtual who's who of everybody in the plant-based community. Um, if you want to network, wow. that's certainly the place to do it. We would love to have you.
3: That sounds great absolutely great. Like I'm just one, you know, small person here in Bahrain. it would be great to see what the global platform is like.
0: Well, You may just be one person, but your reach is extraordinary because your story is so relatable with so many people and you are going to bring hope and optimism and for the first time, you know, just just the knowledge that, hey, I don't have to live in chronic pain. And that to somebody is priceless. And that makes you, yes, one person, but a very important person. So thank you so very much for everything that you are doing. It's been a real pleasure to speak with you today.
3: Thank you so much, Chuck. It's been amazing to talk to you on the show. And uh, yeah, thank you for having me.
0: You are welcome, and oh, by the way, uh, Shivani is on social media at plantbasedbh. At plantbasedbh, that is a must-follow. So go and do that right now, Shivani. Thank you so much.
3: Have a great one, Jeff. Thank you for having me again.
0: How cool is her story? My friend, Austin Aries, you know, the pro wrestler, he's been on the show a couple of times. Well, he actually introduced me to Shivani, and I'm so glad that she did because that story is just remarkable. Uh, Big thanks to Shivani for coming on here and joining us today. And I'm telling you, keep an eye on her. She is going to be something else in this health community. She is certainly one to watch. And Speaking of watching... I've been watching our numbers climb higher and higher, and you guys, yes you, you helped us set a record for downloads last week. The episode that we did on cooking without eggs, and then the kickoff that we had to the Your Body in Balance special series where we talked about the connection between healthy skin and hormones and diet. And we had on Nina and Randa Nelson, the twin sisters, along with Dr. Neil Barnard. Those shows, they did amazingly well. They did gangbusters. So thank you all so much for listening and for sharing. And personally, I have to tell you that I'm really especially grateful that people are finding so much useful information from this show. I'm so glad to hear that people are enjoying it and learning from it because that is what the exam room is all about. And so if you haven't already done so, let's keep learning together. So if you haven't already done so, go ahead and subscribe to the exam room podcast by the Physicians Committee. You can do that on Apple Podcast or on Spotify, really wherever it is that you get your favorite shows. And go ahead and subscribe so that you can get this information in the palm of your hand and in between your ears every single week. Let's get healthier together. And along those lines, please also leave us a five-star rating because when you do that, that helps us reach even more people with this inspiring and life-changing information. And bonus points, bonus points for goodness sakes, we sharing the show on Facebook with your friends and your family, share it there. Pass along this knowledge so that so many people can also reap the benefits. So we answered a lot, a lot of your questions today. And one of the things that so many of you had written in about was about the thyroid, which was kind of surprising to me. And that, the thyroid, is exactly what the second installment of the Your Body and Balance podcast series is dedicated to. Dr. Neil Barnard and I, we sat down in the studio and we talked about the connection there. What role does diet play with hyperthyroidism? And what about hypothyroidism? And is help really only as far away as what's on your fork? For a lot of people, it seems that that answer is yes. So we talked all about that and then sat down with some folks who have done just that. Really incredible stories from people who span all walks of life. We have a film producer and we even have a neurosurgeon who was able to have just this radical relief after changing his diet. These are just incredible But true stories. Medical marvels really is one way that you could put this. So these stories, they provide the hope. And Dr. Bardard, he throws in the science. Such a fun show. So make sure that you check that one out as well. And if you are in the Washington, D.C. area, maybe Baltimore, maybe Richmond, really anywhere in this I-95 corridor, Uh, I would love for you to join Dr. Barnard and I for a live taping of the podcast on Friday night, February 7th at Busboys and Poets in Washington, D.C. We are going to be talking about so much from that Your Body and Balance series and his new book, which is by the same name. All of this has to do with hormones and health and diet, and we would love to see you there. And by the way the ticket price it includes a copy of the book so it is an absolute steal of a deal and we would love to see you there friday night february 7th bus boys and poets in washington dc and you can head over right now to pcrm.org slash your body and balance for more info on that and you can also find a link to rsvp on that page as well we've also posted that same link in the episode notes below And lastly, well, why not check off some social media, shall we? I'm on Twitter and IG at Chuck Carroll WLC. Doctor Barnard, he's finally on the gram too. That's pretty exciting. At Dr. Neil Barnard. At Doctor Neil Barnard. That's good for Twitter as well. And of course at PCRM on Twitter and at Physicians Committee on Instagram. And please do give us a follow. We would certainly appreciate that. I'm telling you, we will be posting more information more fun stories, more fun, all things health, really, things that you would just just put a smile on your face. So go ahead and give a follow. And don't forget also to send me your questions for the next doctor's mailbag. What's on your mind? What have you been wondering about? We'll see if we can't get you an answer. And that's going to do it for us this week. My thanks again to Dr. Vinita Raman and Shivani Savasavam. And for everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for joining us. And remember, keep it plant-based.